Did you ever think of a friend that you haven't spoken to in a long time, and this friend randomly calls you out of the blue at that moment that led you to an awesome opportunity for you? Or you were in the middle of a major life decision and you saw or heard something that made you think of which way to go? I'm a firm believer that there is no such thing as a coincidence and that serendipities do lead to your success. I'm Amira Gad. I'm hosting this podcast because I've always had the most bizarre but hilarious serendipities and realized that what you resist persists. I'm interviewing successful individuals about their serendipities and how they led them to who they are now. Expect to be blown away by ironies, laugh, and also be inspired by their unique stories from this podcast every week. I hope you enjoy it and that it'll make you smile as well inspire you to pay attention to the doors that will lead you to your success. everybody. This is Amira with Serendipities to Success. Today, we have an incredible, incredible, incredible person, Mark Frazier, the man, the everything, the guy who wears so many hats, and we're all in awe of how he does things. And this is why he's here today. Hi, Mark. Well, hello there, Amira. How are you? First of all, congratulations on uh, the Serendipities to Success podcast. I'm so glad that you're doing this. This is so wonderful. And I've been a fan of yours since uh, I first got to know you. Gosh, it's almost been about three years now. It's been a long time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I'm just excited to be here and to share whatever insights I have and hope that I can be of some service to everybody out there. So thank you. You do. You do have so many insights to share and I can't wait to have the listeners hear what you have to say. Mark is the CEO of Sync Summit. He's also the CEO of Sync Agency Disconic. And we have to talk about how you came up with that name, by the way. Okay. <laughs> I'm always curious. You're also a business consultant and you're also a content strategist. Um, yes. And many, 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 many other things as well. So Mark, one of the reasons why I have you here today is because every time I show up in one of your sync cafes or in your events, you just know everybody. <laughs> and I was so in awe when one of your meetups that we had, you brought in Beyonce's dad, Matthew Knowles. And it just made me think that you make things seem very possible when things could look like it's impossible. I mean, of course, you have amazing knowledge, you're charismatic, your personality is just like you love to bring people together and could just you to, to bringing sync cafes during COVID when it was so dark and people were lost. And you probably didn't have answers yourself, but you went ahead and you were like proactive and you just brought the people together and that really made a lot of people very happy and very you know like you shed some light you brought in the light so kudos to you for doing that and of course within that community so many things happened you know what I mean like it's like synergetic and it was very enriched and educational but I'm here to ask you because of all these people that you know <laughs> and because of all these uh, things that you do for people tell us about how you're able to know all these amazing people in the industry. You know, a lot of it is uh, around something that 
we were talking about right before we went live, which is um, preparation and then getting yourself out there. That's the best way I can put it. You know, you can't be successful if you don't prepare for what you want to do. And you can't be successful if you just stay by yourself. At least it's very hard to. I think some people can do it if they're technical geniuses. But still, unless you get yourself out into the world, it's very hard for anybody to know exactly why you're doing what you're doing and why they should be collaborating with you or working with you. So I think those are two really important things. But when I look at what I've done in my life, and you know, this is around serendipity, so I'm going to try to follow your lead. Okay. Um, but basically, I found that serendipity happens when you position yourself to connect to people by saying, you know what, I'm going to go out there and do this. This is the idea that I have. I'm not 100% sure about what I'm doing right now, but I have an idea. And I know that this idea has some validity. Let's see where we can take this. And then I start to go out there and I put together a little map of, okay, who are the people that would be interesting to bring into this idea? And I don't limit it to people that I know. I limit it to anyone. And that means that I'll probably have about 30% of a hit rate of people that I don't know coming back to me and saying, oh yeah, I totally want to do that with you. You know, you might eventually get a bigger percentage, but... I think that whenever you have something new you're doing, if you um, prepare a good presentation of what your idea is and the idea is thought out, there's going to be a lot of people it's going to resonate with that you may not know or maybe at a much higher level than you that over time you will end up connecting with and getting to know and becoming friends with. So, you know, when you bring up somebody like Matthew, I can give you a good example of that's, a, right, let me just back up. That's a good example of how. I built a relationship somewhat through serendipity, but also through uh, some planning and also some uh, thinking outside of just a small area, like zooming out and saying, who are the people that I could bring in that could be really interesting? And, you know, the way that I met him is that uh, I was um, in the mobile industry before, like way before this. I had a company in uh, between 2000 and 2005. That was uh, one of the first companies in the mobile content industry. And um, we started to gear ourselves towards music more than anything else because ringtones were a big deal when we started that company. Like they started to become a big component of the uh, industry. And I'll be honest, I always thought they were sort of like a pet rock. Like they only had a limited <laughs> time. People were going to use them. Yeah. But nonetheless, we were the only people in the business who were bridging technology and music. So I sat down with one of my partners in the company and I said, you know, these conferences that we're going to are too technical. We have to do a music conference where we're talking about how the music industry is going to use this new technology. And as part of programming that conference, I thought, you know what, we're going to get all the technology people from like Sony and uh, we're going to get Verizon to come. And yeah, all those people came. But I thought, well, that's only half the story. All of these technical people talking. We have to get people who are really involved in creating content. And then we started to talk to labels. We started to talk to publishers. And then I thought, you know what we need? We need to have a famous artist manager. And I talked to a few of them. One of them now, I think he's passed away. He was, I don't know if he was put in jail. Lou Pearlman, he used to do, uh, <laughs> he used to do Sync and Backstreet Boys and all oh, that. Okay. Oh, and I was, oh, yes, I remember that story. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So well, I'm, <laughs> I'm really, no, I think he's dead now. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. Ooh, okay. yeah. But I'm, 
I'm really, really glad that he ended up having a, a scheduling conflict because he was going to do it. Yeah. So he could, he had a scheduling conflict. And I thought, well, you know who else seems really interesting? Beyonce's dad. So I got in touch with Matthew and um, he actually, we I found out, was a very smart guy, which wouldn't surprise you, but that he had this whole backstory kind of similar to me where he was working in technology for a long time. So, and he also is a very educated guy. So when he came to the music business, he looked at it in a strategic way. Yeah. Anyway, I would never have met him. I would never have gotten to know him, become a friend of his for 20 years. If I hadn't taken the first step to think outside of the parameters of what I was used to. And that whole story is basically my way of showing you what the thinking was for that, because that's how, when I look at it, I will create a relationship with somebody. Like, I don't care what your station is. I don't care what, you know, people say one way or the other. If I feel like you're somebody that could connect with something I'm doing, I'm going to try to contact you. Now, that's great. And I think everybody should try to do that. But you also have to be able to back it up with something that's of interest to the other person. And I think that the whole message here is that you create serendipity to some degree, but also, you know, you do benefit from things that are seemingly at the time very random. You know, like you meet one person at an event. Like, here's another example. Okay, I'll give you another example. Um, this is not from the music industry per se, but basically in 1999, 2000, I was working with a startup that was doing instant messaging. So this takes you back a few years. And we had this platform that was really cool. And I was working with a group. The uh, CEO is from another country and I was the head of the US office. So they had an office in another country and we went back and forth and sort of worked as a team. Anyway, part of working as a team is that the two of us would talk to our investors and I would work with him through giving them presentations and telling them what we were doing strategically. In any case, I met uh, during that time uh, a new investor who was the venture capital head of a big Japanese conglomerate. And we got to know each other through that. But then that company ended up being sold. I stopped working with them. He got in touch with me and said, you know, Mark, why don't you and I work on doing deals together? Why don't you and I work as a team and you, you and I will go out and we'll talk to big VCs in the US and see if we can do co-investments or see if we can find entrepreneurs that we can invest in. And then from there, uh, we did some good work together. Then from there, by then we're, we're actually pretty close friends. But at the same time, we were always looking for new things to do. You know, whether it was uh, managing a, a famous classical artist together to working on import export of antiques to investing in companies or working just purely on new music businesses. That person and I, he and I have built a relationship that has been so instrumental in terms of my connecting to people in Asia in general, especially in Japan. And I have other people like that too. Like, okay, I'll stop with my examples in a second, but this is a really good one. Well, please go ahead. Tell us all okay. of your examples. Well, here's a good example. And this one is super serendipity. Okay. So 1999, my father passes away. I have to deal with closing up the, you know, all of his business. I finished that. And I'm like, you know what? I want to go to Tokyo because I've never been there. And, you know, I took a leave of absence from work uh, to deal with it. And I thought, okay, well, I'll take two weeks just to go to Tokyo. 
I'm a big fan of a type of music that was a big thing back then. So I really wanted to know all the people in the scene and I had talked to a few people in the scene. So I went over to Tokyo because really because of music at first, because I was obsessed with uh, the DJ scene that was there at the time. And I went there, I saw all these people that have become people I know for a long time in the music business there. It all started from just getting up and saying, you know what, I'd like to go there because I've never been there before. But I always went with an eye of saying, okay, I'm going to see what this is about over here because I'm interested in it. And then what ended up happening while I was looking at the whole music industry is that I got um, email, you know, we had email in 1999. So I had, I had an email on my, you know, what passed for a computer at the time. And it was an email from the Tokyo American Chamber of Commerce. And it was basically a bunch of dot-com entrepreneurs showing off their presentations of their new of their company ideas and you know i was a dot-com guy at the time so i was like oh this is awesome let me find out what's going on in the business here so i go there and there's like this bunch of presentations that are being given and most of them aren't that interesting then this woman comes up her name is kumi sato kumi starts putting this um, presentation out there of a service that she wants to build to empower Japanese women in their financial life, in their business life, in their, in beauty, in their home life with pregnancy. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, it is destiny that I'm here today. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> yeah, tell us. Because yeah. <laughs> between 1997 and 1998, I was the head of community for a company called iVillage. And iVillage was it. the women's network in the 90s. We were like the biggest thing. So we had this community, which is weird that a man was the director of community for a women's network, but everybody else was female. But we had about three, four million people that were members of that community. So I, I got I to know that. I, I remember that community. Yes. Yeah, so I got to know every aspect of how the business worked right yeah, yeah. so that's the knowledge that i had when i went into that room i walked up to her and i was just like this is what i've done with myself how are you she's like come to my office tomorrow <laughs> and of course yeah timing it's perfect timing yes yeah. and and then we sat down with the whole staff we had an eight hour literally an eight hour meeting and, you know, I didn't speak any Japanese. My Japanese is bad now, but I spoke nothing back then. Yeah. But, and then she goes to me, Mark, come to Tokyo and build this with me. So I pick myself up. I go to Japan and I work with this team, which except for two people really, oh yeah, there was an American there. So three people couldn't really, and there was a South African, four people <laughs> who could speak English. The rest of them are all in Japanese. And there I am basically working as sort of like the content and structural guru for a site, which I'm not able to read. It was insane. But between Kumi and another person named Grace, uh, who worked with me, we were able to get everything done. And that relationship with this woman, Kumi Sato, it's a relationship that I have until this day. And she's, she's a very prominent person in Japan. You can look her up if you want. Uh, Kumi Sato Cosmo, uh, Cosmo PR. You can look her up. She's a big deal there. But the thing is, is that she's basically like my older sister at this point. She has been like 
my mentor and also somebody who has been my partner in a lot of different like businesses and work together and has always ended up because of that serendipitous moment where I just woke up and said, Hey, let me just go and check out, check out what these people are doing. It just ended up being a life-changing relationship. And that to me is like one of the coolest things about life is that I had no idea nor desire to do that. You know, okay, maybe I had a little desire, but I had no idea. You know, I had no idea about, you know, I'm going to go to this thing and meet this person. Well, let me go back to what you said about desire. I have like so many comments right now about this story. <laughs> yeah, okay. First of all, I was a big fan of iVillage and I was watching it and I was probably like a member even or something. Cool. You, who was behind it, like it was like so much involved in it. That's serendipitous. I it's funny. Mastermind. Like, it's amazing. Oh God. Well, it was me and a big group of people. It's amazing. And now I'm face to face to you. That's the first thing. Second, you've always wanted to help women and, and women empowerment. It's not yeah. like you didn't have the desire. That's you, Mark. You yeah, it is. love to it help is. people. So that energy was in you anyways, right? And it kind oh, of- Oh, absolutely. Like, and it came to you. And, and what I want to tell listeners is that you had that thought- and you implemented on it. Yeah. You didn't just go like, oh, I want to go to Japan. And then just like forgot about it and just went back to sleep. But you literally jumped on it. And so, and going back to what you're saying about, you know, opportunities and preparation, it's that definition of that inspirational quote of luck equals preparation plus opportunity. It's exactly yes. that. So a lot of people are asking like, how are people lucky? It's most of the time, the people that I know who are extremely successful is really putting themselves out there and putting in the work. It's a combination of things, but, but you, you did it, man. I've done it a bunch of times, you know, and I think yeah. it's, I think it's just important that if you want to do something, you know, it's like, sometimes I think we all question our choices sometimes in hindsight and in foresight too. But I think that you have to, you have to make the choice that looks best for what you ultimately want. And I've always been a person where I've said, I want to do this. I want to go there. I want to see what that's about. Yeah. I've always been that person probably since I can, since I learned to talk. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. You, you follow your curiosity. Awesome. And I think it's important to try to do that because look, you know, an example I can give you is just, you know, I, I consider myself a fairly decent public speaker these days. But when I started my career, I was so nervous. It was hard for me to get through something. So, you know, you have to, first of all, put yourself out there and then you have to practice and refine what you do. Because at the end of the day, you keep doing it. You'll do it for 2000 times. And eventually it'll just be second nature and you won't. I, I wouldn't have known because you're so good at it. I've seen you speak on stage. I'm actually a shy person, believe it or not. Before COVID, I would always close the videos in meetings, <laughs> but in COVID, I had to open it up. So I'm so glad. I swear to God, Mark, I never in a million years thought I would ever do a podcast because I was always self-conscious of my accent or the way that I sometimes have to like translate certain words from my head. And, but here I am, I'm doing it. <laughs> and it was out of my comfort zone, but I'm loving it. I'm loving it. And, and each time, each episode that I record, it's getting easier and easier. So that's great. And you're doing, and I think you're doing a great job. And, you know, I think it's great that you're illuminating people's lives by doing this too. It's really important. And, you know, I mean, the, the main thing out of everything that we're talking about, you know, that I think that people have to do is just get out of their comfort zone. 
make yourself get out of, you know, where, you know, that sort of box that people put themselves in, push yourself outside of it. Otherwise you'll never connect with what you want. And it can be scary and it can be, it can be difficult. You know, it's, it's very easy for me to say, oh, well, you know, I made a decision that I wanted to go to school in France, which is something I did. And I worked in France, blah, blah, blah. And then I, you know, I started a couple of companies and I did this other work and I did that. Yeah, I did a lot of things, but make no mistake. There's a lot of moments of scariness and pain and questioning your direction and your choices. And you have to just go through that and believe in your mission for what you're doing and the reason that you're doing it. And, you know, that will keep you sustained for the long term towards reaching a worthwhile goal, whatever that worthwhile goal is. And I think that that, again, is another thing that once you, you know, take advantage of serendipity that comes into your life, what do you do next? I think what you do next is you keep at it. And you know what? I mean, sometimes you have to say to yourself, no, I'm not going to keep at this. It just does. It's just not working. But that's, there's a difference between that and there being a lull for two or three or four weeks. Most people can feel it in their gut. Like, you know what? This really isn't a business. I'm going to have to turn it off. Or, you know what? I believe in this. This is going to work out. Maybe I have to adjust something. Maybe I have to change the way I'm doing it, but it's going to work out. So that's the other thing that I would say from my perspective is that I don't give up easily. And I think that it's something I should say to everybody. It's like what Chris Moller and I always say, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. You know, (laughs) and I think that's for most things in life, not just sync, which is one of the most difficult businesses in the world. And sometimes, you know, you want to talk about questioning things. I mean, this is a tough, tough business. In my position, in the position of a music supervisor, certainly in your position and the position of content owners. It's really tough. I mean, you know, you think to yourself, like if you want to shift this to sync and serendipity, you think to yourself, okay, so what do I need to do to get my music used in a film or a TV show, right? Well, the first thing you have to do is on you. You have to make really good music and really good music. Well, there's a question mark because it's subjective to a degree. I mean, really good music by genre? Does that mean really good music by production, instrumentation? Well, I mean, my answer is this. When I say you need to make really good music, I think it can be totally experimental and weird and out there, like listening to, you know, something like Laurie Anderson did in the early 80s, which I love, you know, but it has to be well-produced. It has to be mixed and mastered. It has to sound good enough so that I would feel comfortable putting it in a TV show or a film. That's the best way I can put it. That's what I mean when I say the music has to be good. You know, in terms of musical quality, honestly, there's syncs where they want off-tune music. There's syncs where they want really polished pop music. There's syncs where they just want a guy with a guitar who has a grisly voice singing a country song. It goes (laughs) everywhere, you know? So you need to make sure that you... Bring music that is on the production level of what people are doing on the visual side. That's the first thing. The second thing is, okay, so you need to connect with people. Well, these people, most of them are really hard to connect with. And some of them are downright hostile in terms of, (laughs) they are. I mean, I'm just being honest. Not everybody's a nice music supervisor. Some of them are just like, I don't want to hear from anybody unless I know them. But then how do I get to know you? You know, so, you know, you, you have to fight against that. And then even if you get past that point, you're in a pool of a few different things usually. 
So you've got all of these three things that you have to go through in order to do your business successfully. So it's a hard business. Now, how does serendipity work in that? Well, it's what I said again, before you have a serendipitous moment, I think you're going to have to prepare yourself by making sure that, you know, creatively your music is good, that you've done everything you can from a technical or a legal point of view so that the metadata and the legalities are all taken care of. Then the third thing you have to do is other than the marathon, not a sprint thing in the back of your mind, you also have to get yourself out there. You have to put yourself out there in the right way, in a charming way. Like it's simple. We talk about this a lot, but it comes down to something like when, when somebody comes up to you, how do you want to be approached? Whoever you are. I think we're universal in that. I don't think we want to have somebody come up to us and go, hi, my name is Mark. I've got 300 songs in my catalog and they're all really syncable. They're one stops and they're, they range from moody to folk. Oh, okay. And they're perfect for everything that's out there. I didn't even say that part, but basically it's like, you're talking to me like I'm freaking Alexa. Like what's wrong with you? Alexa shouldn't even be talked to that way. Like talk, if you go out to a conference, whether it's my conference or what a pitches is doing a conference this week, or it's a conference I'm going to speak at this week in New Orleans, whoever it is, get to know these people as human beings, like talk to them as human beings. If you, even if you don't know them, how do you want to be approached? Don't approach them like they're machines that you're putting like a, you know, USB port into here is my music. You will use it. Thank you. So, you know, when you act like that, when you don't treat people like human beings, how can you expect serendipity to happen? Cause they're just going to be turned off. And that yeah, happens. Doors are going to close. The doors are absolutely going to close. Yeah. yeah and, and that happens so often. You know, so it's not just that the music supervisors are jerks and their briefs are bad and, you know, nothing ever works because these, you know, these people make it impossible for me to connect. You also have to look at the way that you present yourself and you also have to look at how you treat other people. You need to be earnestly interested. Like, you know, the music supervisor, what projects do they work on? What's their backstory? Maybe go up to them and just say, hi, how are you? Are you enjoying the show? And then in a few minutes talk to them about their music. So that's one thing I think. But once you start to get to know these people, once you start to get music supervisors and coordinators, sync agents, whoever they are, you start to get to know them and people start to get to know you. Well, that's when the interesting serendipity happens because, you know, they'll go, you know what? I really like these tunes. So who's your manager? Oh, you don't have a manager. Let me connect you to somebody. You know, that's when people start to cross pollinate. Word of mouth is key. Yeah. But I have a very uh, interesting story about what you said about putting myself out there and your sync summits. Your conferences are absolutely incredible. Like I would never want to miss any of those because they are just thank you. really good. No, no, seriously, the amount of people that you bring in, whether they're music supervisors, sync agents, or anybody that has to do with the music industry, the amount of knowledge and very cost effective, but then also the amount of people that show up too. And then you're, you're putting this Google doc where people can communicate with each other. But exactly. But what I wanted to say is that what happened was speak of serendipity or like preparing and then things that work out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was two sync summits ago where, I mean, I worked on my website, I made it look nice. And then somebody had said that they had an offer of creating a professional EPK or something like that, or like a bio. I didn't have a professional bio. So I decided, you know what, let me invest, quote unquote, invest in having a bio, even though nobody had asked me. And right, right after I enrolled in your in conference, you asked for a bio and a picture. And right. I- 
And what I did is like, I took professional photos, even though nobody asked me to, but I did that. Right. And so I used the professional photo and then I used the now new bio that I had written professionally by someone. And I gave it to you as an EPK, right? Right. Uh, what happened was an attendee, uh, a producer who was working on a musical saw my EPK that was on your website and went into my website and saw that I say like lyrics for the song because I love lyrics. So he reached out to me asking me questions and it turned out that he was looking for somebody who's really good with lyrics. He hired me as a lyricist consultant. He paid me so good for his musical movie that's coming out called Somewhere. It's coming out soon. It's uh, fantastic. A movie. Yes. Like look at the preparation, but look at the serendipity. I prepared. Yes. I didn't know where that was going. I took photos, uh, professional photos. It was pricey. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's not cheap. I thought like, you know what? It's going to be good on my website. It's going to make it look appealing. Uh, and then I created a website and then I created the bio. And then you asked for it right after that. I didn't even know you were going to do that, the EPK thing. And I was yeah. like, yeah, it's cool. I didn't even in a million years would think that somebody would hire me as a lyricist consultant and I'm going to be in the end credit as a lyricist consultant. But do you see, do you see how things work? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, this is the way that, that things come to you. I don't want to sound too new age. Things come to you. You have to, you have to draw them to you, you know, and law of attraction, right? It's yes. Like but you know, you attract things by doing your homework and doing your background work yeah. and doing things that you don't think immediately may have benefits in the future. Yeah. You know, it's so important to do all of this and I mean, I look at this and I think, you know, you talked about the Sync Cafe, right? Yeah. For me, you know, I saw the world shutting down at the beginning of March and I had like a whole big agenda of what was going to happen in that year. But I realized that whole agenda was going to be shut. All over the world, right? You had one yeah, in well, New York and then one in... Uh... I had them in Tokyo, yeah. New York. Yeah. I did things with partners all over the world yeah, and... Yeah. In the month of March, I was going to do this big thing uh, with a conference in Malaysia that I was amazed by. Wow, this, this sounds so cool. I've never been to Malaysia. I've been to yeah, Southeast yeah. Asia, but this is going to be cool. We're going to do like this two-day thing as part of a five-day like music festival. And then the government just basically reached out and said, guys, we're sorry. We're shutting the borders. So I was like, oh. And then, you know, South by South. West was saying, we're going to stay open. We're going to stay open. And I'm like, you're not going to stay open. Then I thought to myself, well, what the heck are we going to do in our position? Well, we have to figure something out. First thing we have to do is we have to tell people how we're going to deal with this in terms of, you know, current events. So we dealt with that. And I thought, well, but that's not good enough. We need to do something that's going to bring people together, you know, during everybody being isolated because nobody's going anywhere right now. Why don't I start up a daily chat and, you know, I don't know what it's going to be about. I mean, we'll just talk about sinky stuff. That was basically it, you know, just <laughs> sinky stuff. I, I don't know. We'll talk about the business or, yeah. and we'll do it every day because I think that it'll be just a place for people to hang out. So that was the genesis of it. And then once we started, all of these other things started to happen where, you know, I'd bring in somebody from Abbey Road that's a friend of mine. And then we'd start focusing on technology. And then we did these cover challenges. And then we did, you know, brief things where I bring in a panel of people and we put together a brief. And then we have live briefs that go out. And then, you know, when everything was happening with the protests in May of 2020, I brought in people to talk about that, you know, and how it related to the music industry. So we really just 
went serendipitous, basically, based on just an idea that I had where I was like, I don't know where this idea is going to go. Let's just do something. Let's bring everybody together because I know how to do that. You know, that's one thing I know about myself. I'm like, I know exactly how to do this. Why don't we bring everybody together and see who shows up? That's been the genesis of it. And I got to say, one of the benefits, one of the serendipitous benefits from this is that not only have I gotten to know on a much deeper level, a lot of people in their music, which is really important to me. But the other thing is, is that I have become a much more knowledgeable expert than I ever was before the pandemic, because I'm day in, day out speaking about this stuff. Before it was like all kind of like, I knew, I knew about it, but it was all kind of like top level. It was like, it was like corporate versus grassroots was like, I knew what was going on on the top level, but now it's like, you can talk to me about almost anything in this business and I can go, oh yeah, yeah, here's the breakdown. And I never talked about metadata before this, uh, you know, I knew what it was. Yeah. But I, I would talk about it once in a while and I would say it was important before the pandemic. But now I've become like the metadata drill sergeant because as I've gotten deeper and deeper into the heart of how everything works, I've realized, you know what? The production of music is great. Connecting to music supervisors is great, but if you don't have things like metadata correct, nobody's ever going to listen to, find, or pay you for music. So, you know, that's one of the things that I've learned is that I've gotten a lot deeper into the mechanism of the industry, you know, from a top level to a granular level. And that has benefited me greatly and has also benefited my ability to serve my community and to be of service to everybody. So, there's so many things that benefit from just like saying, all right, you know what? Let's go over there. Let's go over there. We're just going to go over there. Let's ask some people to come in and let's see what happens. It's always too. Yeah, it's always like I've enjoyed every sync cafe I've attended. I've attended a lot. I've learned everything. And remember how I think I've mentioned this before during COVID, you know how like we all got Zoom fatigue. There oh, so of course. Times I wanted to, I couldn't. I would <laughs> literally crawl to the chair to show up. I don't know why and how that happened, but it was like, my legs were so heavy, you know, something. Oh, for sure. But I was adamant to always show up. And every time I showed up, I learned something different and something good happened out of it. Oh, that is so amazing. Thank you for saying that. All of us agree that you never sleep. I sleep (laughs) a little, but you know, but you're always working, 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 doing things and creating things. It was never boring. But going back to what I wanted to ask you is among this amazing baby that grew into this really cool thing that you did, did you end up meeting someone that you haven't spoken to in a long time or that was like out of the blue? How interesting. Have I? Well, I mean, there are people that I speak to more than I used to. Okay. So that's interesting, you know, but in terms of like, you know, relationships, it's like over the pan- over the pandemic, I mean, Chris Muller and I were you know, friendly. And we spoke a bunch of times and did some stuff, but now it's like, we're much closer. You know who I've met? Like Patty Carrera, I didn't know. And her and I are really close now. We work together on a lot of things. She's a really wonderful person who does great work in terms of somebody who I hadn't seen for a long time that I'm now connected to through the community. I mean, I would have to say, I mean, most people in our community, I've known them you know, think I've gotten to know a lot of them much better, or we've become a lot closer through the years. But I mean, there are a couple of people in the community that I knew from, you know, when I was working in mobile, 
I've met a lot of people in a very serendipitous manner in the community that I've built deep relationships with. But in terms of people that were really from the past coming into it, not that much. I've kept in touch with most of the people that yeah, are important you're that to the kind of Yeah, you're that yeah. kind of person. I, yeah. I like that too. I like to keep in touch with people. No, um, but I mean, I would say like, you know, when I talked about my friend Kumi, Kumi and I, I mean, well, it's never that we weren't close, but now we're aligned. We're both doing stuff in the music business now. So it's like, we've really deepened our approach in terms of our collaboration on things now. Like-minded people always attract each other, you know? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a music lover, and you've probably had music heroes when you're younger, did you ever end up meeting them in person? Oh yeah, totally. This is one of the coolest things about life for me because I'm such a fanboy when I decide I like somebody. (laughs) My first job, and I think you may or may not know this, but my first job when I was 17 years old, okay, I had other jobs. Like I pumped gas for six months until that was (laughs) gross. And, uh, you know, I worked in a record store, but I ended up working when I was 17. This is like Mark's almost famous in real life moment. I was working for a magazine at the age of 17 that was called uh, Good Times Magazine. And people in Long Island, if there's anybody watching this, will know Good Times. It's a free magazine that is still produced by the same guy, like so many years later. And um, he didn't know I was 17, but I was a really good writer. I still am, but I was a really good writer for somebody that was, you know, teenager. And I was like, I want to write for your publication. And uh, all I want is free tickets to write. (laughs) And he's like, sure, kid, here, go see the gang of four, go see Genesis, go see the clash. So I was like this 17 year old kid writing articles about the bands that I was really in love with. So I've always been lucky that I, I mean, you make your luck to some degree. This goes back to some of the things that we're saying, but, uh, You know, when I went on to meet somebody, I would go to lengths to do it. And taking a job as a writer was one way to do it. Also, before that, actually, during that time, too, I was really obsessed with David Letterman because I thought that he was just... I was, and and I would go to his show, like, because it was filmed in New York. I would go to his show after school three or four nights a week. So (laughs) I love it. I put myself out there when I wanted to meet people, you know, no matter who they were. I always made sure that, like, hey, you know what? This is a way that I can connect to people. And I've gotten to meet and be friends with a lot of the people that I thought were wonderful musicians, you know, over the years. Uh, I took a couple of years off before college, after high school, and I worked as a doorman at a nightclub in New York. And I got to meet a lot of musicians there. And some of them became friends. And, you know, I met a lot of acquaintances, which was really cool. But fast forwarding to now, you know, I've gotten to meet and do business with people that I was really into when I was young and really become friends with them. You know, like I've become friends with people. I don't want to start naming them because I think that that's not right for them to start going, oh, I know this person and that person and this person, but I assure you they're bold-faced names, as they say in Hollywood. And the thing is, is that I've met these people because I was out there either doing my work and you know, this person was friends with this person. And then we went out to dinner where they invited me to go to dinner and this person was there and I just treated them like another person. Okay. So like, that's one thing I think is really important. One of my really good friends, I met him when I was doing some work with Warner Music Group and um, he's 
very famous band who's been on Warner Music Group since the 80s. And he's talking, I don't know who he is. We just really hit it off because we're talking about music and food and art and politics. And we seem to be aligned on a lot of these things. I'm like, by the way, I didn't get your name. And he tells me his name. And I'm like, I think I know his name. <laughs> Where do I know his name from? And I'm like going through my head, like, who is this guy? And then somebody goes, oh, so when are you guys going to put out the next blank album? And I'm just like, oh, shit. Excuse my language. Oh, my gosh. This is that guy. I didn't say it like that, but it's like this guy that I idolized when I was reading the lyrics on something when I was in high school. And I was like, this guy is so cool. His lyrics are so cool. We're hanging out. And now he's my friend, you know. And you can't say his name. No, no, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Okay. Because I don't because I don't I don't name drop. I don't think that's cool. But believe me. We're He's friends. Big. Yes. Yeah. And and okay. Yes. Yeah. But there's other people like that too, you know, and absolutely. Yeah. You know, some of them have come to conferences actually the first time. Like, you know, okay, this one I will name drop. When I was working at a digital consultancy, this was in the 90s. We were putting on a, um, it was a digital music conference. We were speaking about, you know, what was uh, leading edge music technology in the 90s. I was working as an analyst at the time. I'm walking around the uh, conference and the guy who was running the company, who is an old friend of mine, you know, even now he's an old friend. He goes, Mark Prince is over there. I'm just like, no. <laughs> he's like, dude, go over there. He's, he's like, he paid to come to the conference and he's taking notes uh, and I'm just like and I, there he was there's Prince like taking notes on like love that you know, I, see that this is something that makes me even respect him even more like he's yeah yeah hard worker right yeah and and you know it was just amazing you know and I just I didn't say a word to him because I had met him years ago and he doesn't like to be I like that I like that what you did it's always the context you know if yeah. you're at a party and they're at a party, it's yeah, okay. Yeah. If they're <laughs> okay. just on the street with their family or they're at a conference and they're like busy. Focused, right? Yeah, right. just leave them alone. Leave them you alone. know, I always treat them like humans, you know? Don't, I think that going up to them and being aggressive or just, you know, acting a different way than you would to other people and saying, how does this person want to be respected? is not going to do well for you. I think if you want to introduce yeah. yourself, there's a time and a place for it. Yeah. yeah but yeah. certainly. I like that you said that. Right, right. But that's really cool. <laughs> it was <laughs> a neat was, moment. Was he wearing purple? <laughs> As a matter of fact, he was. <laughs> yes. I know you posted something on your Instagram about Prince and purple. and. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what we did this week yeah. in the Stink Cafe, we had a challenge where we asked people to reimagine music that was uh, by writers and artists in Minneapolis. The day that we did that on was on the sixth anniversary of Prince's passing. And one of our guests, and this should be one of your guests because he's, I I love him, is a guy named uh, Matt Dr. Fink. And Dr. Fink is uh, the keyboardist from Prince and the Revolution. Okay. So he was with us that day when we were listening to people's songs and giving them feedback. That was so, so cool. That was cool. so cool. See, this is what I'm talking about. You bring in these cool people. Like, it's invaluable. Like, Yeah, but you know how I met him? How? It's, it's you know, it, it, it's basically like my friend Ted Cohen, who I've known a long time. Yes. Ted and I, we've known each other since the 90s, right? 
And Ted, you know, Ted used to manage Van Halen. I mean, and he was a big executive in, in EMI and was one of the people that got EMI to work with Steve Jobs. He's got a lot of interesting stories. But at the end of the day, he's like, Mark, I want to introduce you to Matt Fang. He's doing this new sync thing that, you know, he's doing like the sync stuff and he, he doesn't really know that much about it. Like, can you help him? And I'm just like, yeah. And then I meet him and I'm like, this guy's a really cool guy. I like Matt Fink. He's an all right guy. You know, I just, on a general level, I'm like so happy that you introduced me to him. And I think that that's sort of like, in a way that's serendipity because one relationship brings you into another relationship into another, and you don't know that that's going to happen. It's just going, it just happens. Well, this is part of why we're supposed to enjoy the long cut and, you know, see what's in the journey that comes up out of nowhere. And one door opens up to another door and you have to take those doors, which brings me to this question. Did you ever get a phone call that the timing was so perfect that it brought you this big opportunity, like out of nowhere? Sure, of course. I've had that happen. Something that I wanted to do for a long time when I had my mobile company was I wanted to create a chart. Okay. And I worked as an analyst. I understood the value of numbers and, and numbers that were based on empirical information. So numbers that were based on data that comes from things like how many sales or how many streams or how many times has somebody logged on to something. That kind of information to me is always the best information. It's much better than, hey, so what do you think, you know, about the genre of this? That's subjective. Empirical data you can translate into how you can build a business plan. So one of the things I wanted to do is I wanted to create a chart around ringtones. And I started to think about that. How am I going to do that? Well, I know all the people at the telecoms. I know the people at the entrepreneurial tech companies that are creating ringtones. I know the people at the music company. So I know these people, I can bring them together and start calling them and asking them for information and start to build out data sets that then we can translate into information that we provide to the marketplace. But I want to have the ultimate legitimacy and the ultimate legitimacy for a chart in the music industry is a billboard chart. So I need to connect with the people to make that happen at billboard. And I thought, okay, well, how am I going to do that? Well, I started by talking to journalists there who were working the digital beat and giving them information that we were creating and saying to them, look, you know, we found that like hip hop is being used like this much by these people. And this is the other genre that's really popular. And they're like, wow, this is really good information. And then I'd hook them up with, you know, just giving them information as an analyst. But in addition to that, connecting them with some of the people in the industry, eventually, one of the journalists was like, hey, Mark, we're doing this conference that we do every year. I don't know if they do it anymore. It was called Music and Money, and it was kind of awesome. It was like the financial industry and the music industry together. And we'd love you to speak at it and talk about what the opportunity is in terms of financials in this new sector of the industry. I was like, great, I'll bring in some empirical information, et cetera, et cetera. When I get there, I'm introduced to the uh, publisher of Billboard at the time a guy who's an amazing guy named John Kilcullen. He's the guy who created the Dummy series. So that's his big claim to fame. He created the <laughs> Dummies books. And uh, anyway, he was the publisher of Billboard at that time. And I'm introduced to him and I'm like, hey, John, it is a real honor to meet you. And he's like, I've heard all these great things about what you're doing. And I'm like, look, this is all great. But what we need to do together is we need to create a chart. And he's like, yes, come to my office tomorrow and let's figure out how we're going to like make that happen. And that is something that, Again, that is serendipity, but it's also planning. 
And it's also putting yourself out there. I didn't know that he was going to be there. I didn't know that he would be receptive to my idea. He could have said, oh, you know what? We're looking at it. Right. He could have said that. What an exciting moment. Yes, (laughs) it was. And then it was six months of really, really hard work. Mm-hmm. With, between me and a technologist that's, again, a really good friend and building the back end and also negotiating all the agreements with all of the different companies for them to give us their data. It was amazing. I mean, I look back on that. We did that from zero to launch in 180 days. And we worked so hard in order to make that happen. But it never would have started if I didn't put myself out there in a way where I connected my information to the people who could take that and help me to build it. And having that idea too, Mark, you have all these ideas. I love that you get an idea and you're excited about it. And you just literally like try to make it happen. This is really cool. I mean, I've got a couple ideas right now I'm not going to talk about because I'm in the middle of building the business plans. But of yeah, one yeah. of them I'll talk about because one of them has to do with solving. Yeah, please tell, tell the listeners how they can reach to you, you know, what services you have. So that way they can, you know, check you out. I recommend the conferences that Mark has. It's amazing. There's one coming up in Nashville. In Nashville, and you can go to SyncSummit.com. That's S-Y-N-C, as in syncing up, SyncSummit.com, S-Y-N-C, Summit.com. All of the information is there. We do consulting services. We have lots of events. We have online seminars. We do educational classes. And also, and this is the non-selling part of it, we have a community of almost 6,000 people that I'm really proud of. And I'm not just proud of it because of me. I'm proud of it because it's a great community it of people. It is a great community. You can join that for free. All you have to do is go to facebook.com slash group slash sync summit. And you can go on there. There's over 250 chats that we've done over the past two and a half years, archives, just an amazing resource and resource that I wish, frankly, I had when I started going into this business in 2013, you know? Yeah. It's it's amazing that we have these things now. Free too, like seriously, like no excuses, like no excuses. Yeah, it's for free. And I always say this to people, I'm like, look, nobody can accuse me of not giving people information without asking them for something because I have all this information for free in there. Now, if you want to go and take a deep dive into what we're doing, yeah, there are some things where it's like it costs money, but you can go onto our Facebook group and you can learn so much without spending a penny. So much, you know, just about every aspect of this industry. (laughs) And you can, you know, you want to figure out what's in a music supervisor's head. You can go to the archive of the Sync Summit. And you know what? There's a lot of music supervisors on there. And they're happily talking about what it is that they like, what it is that they think people should look out for, all the rest of that. Now, the one plug I'm going to give everybody is that we have an event taking place, like you said, online and in Nashville from July 25th to 27th. You can go to Sync Summit to look that up, but it's going to be an amazing event because we're going to be focusing on Sync We're going to be focusing on connecting music to different forms of media, but we're also going to talk about all the new technologies and how these technologies can help connect your music to opportunities in every form of media that's out there. And there's some really cool stuff that's going on right now. And we're going to focus on that too. Plus, it'll be a lot of fun to be there. Your conferences are always fun, but I wanted to say something about this particular conference and I had a big smile on my face because it's so new it's so different I was just so happy for you Mark you're always like with ideas and I love ideas I love people who have ideas 
and you know that saying about with people who have ideas, right? Like great minds. Everybody, if you really want to like start to pull ideas out of your head, one of the things that you should do, and I don't do this every day, but I'm just do what I say, not what I do in this case. Um, but no, I do kind of do it in my own head. But basically yeah. one exercise that you can do is to sit down for like 15, 20 minutes and just put down 10 to 20 ideas a day. Most of those ideas will be ridiculous, right? I mean, I've done it many times writing out these hey, ideas. The most ridiculous ideas out there brought millions and millions of dollars for people. So, well, look at WeWork. What is what a crazy idea, right? Yeah. Okay, it sort of crashed, but it's still out there. The idea yeah. about co-working spaces was not a bad idea, you know? But it's, it's like just the like, rock thing that you talked about. So <laughs> Yeah, but there's plenty of other ideas out yeah. there. Like yeah. I've got some ideas about NFTs. Maybe you have an idea about NFTs. Maybe you have an idea about how to solve problems in an industry where it's very hard to connect things. Maybe you know, you have an idea to make the production environment better, production environment easier to help people to more easily master their music. There's so many things that you can do, but you really have to just sit down and think what it is that you want to do. And then what ideas do you have that can take you there? I'm saying this to you based on everything that I've learned in my life. I wish that, you know, one of the things that I've had the opportunity to do on YouTube that people didn't get to do when I was in my 20s is to listen to different entrepreneurs and listen to what they say in depth about how they work and what they do and what's made them successful. It wasn't possible when I was younger. You'd have to write letters and, you know, basically and read biographies. Now you can go on YouTube Who's Joe Rogan talking to this week? Right. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. this guy, this guy's, this guy's really smarter. This woman, my God, she built this business. Like the woman who, the woman who built the Spanx business, she had nothing. And now look at her, right? And she does all this amazing work. Yeah. You know, there's so many inspirational people out there that you can draw inspiration from and say to yourself, what is it that they've done that's successful? And then just incorporate that. Be like the Borg, just assimilate these things into yourself and make yourself more perfect. You know, just keep on bringing these things into who you are and use them so that when you get a serendipitous moment, you can take advantage of it. Yeah, right. Well, Mark, thank you so, so much. Um, you're so welcome. And I know you're a busy man, so I'm going to let you go. I'm going to write uh, in the description note how people can contact you. Uh, Absolutely. And last question, I never got to know. Why did you call your sync agency Disconnect? Ah, good question. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, here's Disconic, right? Yeah. Okay. So I'll tell you a little bit about that. Uh, basically, what was it? In 2009, another serendipitous moment. I that wrote year a, has been very serendipitous to you. You know how many times is it 2009? Like three do you times? know why? Do you know <laughs> why? It's because the year, it was the year that everything changed financially. I went from being a corporate executive to really diving in as an entrepreneur because I was working, heading up marketing at a public company and uh, the company is still there. It's still, they're doing great. But the thing is, is that we had a mobile internet version of vision for the world. And uh, then the big CEO of the company basically like dissolved it, which is fine. I respect the heck out of him, but you know, they decided to do that in late 2008. So 2009 was like my year of saying, okay, so what are we going to do now? Right. And one of the things I thought would be really cool is, you know what? Let me get in touch with some musicians in Japan and see if maybe we can do some work together because it was always a vision of mine to take musicians from Japan and bring them to the rest of the world. Because most of the stuff that the Japanese 
labels want to bring to the world is stuff that nobody wants, but they have amazing stuff. So they don't really assess what the market outside wants because what the market there wants is different. So I went and I talked to this DJ, still a friend of mine named Tatsuya Oi. And Tatsuya, he and I started talking and having an email relationship again, because I reached out and then I said to him, Hey, you know what? Maybe we should start something together. And, you know, I went to Japan and I talked to him about like, Hey, let's start this company. Um, I think we should call it Disconic because it's like disco, like disc and iconic and disco and oh, icon <laughs> and all that sort of stuff inside of it. And plus the URL was easy to remember. And his wife now, his girlfriend at the time created the uh, logo for it. And, uh, yeah, she's an amazing woman on her own. On her own, but it, she created the logo for it. So basically, we started this company, and the idea of the company had eh, maybe a little to do with sync. But basically, what we wanted to do is we wanted to create an agency that would bring music. Uh, from the electronic scene in Japan out to the rest of the world. What ended up happening to that was that Tatsuya really, he made a decision, which I respected. He said, you know what, I'm just going to focus on my music and focus on working on productions. And he does like scoring and stuff like that. He's like, I don't want to get involved day to day and like trying to build a company. And I'm like, yeah. all right, I respect you. So then I was sitting there and going, all right, well, that didn't work out. But I believe in this sort of thing where we put music into ads. Like that was my first thing about sync. And I thought, ah, that's what Disconic should be. Disconic should be putting music into ads. So that's where Disconic came from. It actually came from, again, Japan and, you know, all of this sort of wordplay stuff. And also it's a kind of name that if you look at it as a Japanese person, it's easy to pronounce. So that was another thing, like Disconic. It's like a fairly simple, clean name to pronounce. It is. It is. Yeah. I love it. And it's very catchy. And every time I see your email or, you know, when you talk about it, it really does trigger some sort of curiosity in my head. So well, thank good you. job, good job. But thank one last you. thing and then we'll go. I love the fact that I had to ask you about 2009 and why, because you kept on talking about it over and over again. Everything happens for a reason. You know, the universal nudges and whatnot. This is another mm-hmm. serendipity that happened to you, Mark, is that if you continued working at that company, right? And, and then that CEO didn't make that decision, you wouldn't have been where you are right now, probably. Oh, of course not. No, no. I probably would have stayed at that company or I would have moved on to another company and I'm sure it would have been great, but it wouldn't, it would have been very different. It would have been very different and see how, because you didn't make that decision, that idea didn't come up in your head until after, you know, so that's serendipitous in its own way. And without a doubt, it sounded like a closed door at that moment. But then it really led to other open doors. And this is where you are right now. But congratulations. Well, thank you. And congratulations again to you. you. And I know you're busy. So we'll just go. And thank you again so much for your time, Mark. And everybody, you know where to find Mark now. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. I love talking with Mark about his journey with serendipities that led him to his open door. You can find Mark on his website, SyncSummit.com, and on Facebook and Instagram. Mark shared many takeaways in this episode. Here are a few. You can't be successful if you don't prepare for what you want to do. Make yourself come out of your comfort zone. Push outside the box. Go through your fears and doubts. Don't give up easily. Quote, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Quote, make the choice that is best for what you ultimately want. Treat others like how you want to be treated. And draw inspiration for people who are successful. See you next time.